It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday evening as we are ready to break down another golf tournament here. That means it's time for Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. We've got uh, myself, Justin Van Zuden, and my co-host, Derek Barnesworth, alongside once again to uh, to talk about the uh, Genesis Invitational this week. So it should be a fun one. The golf calendar really starts to ramp up this time of year. And not coincidentally, right after the uh, football season ends. So maybe a little bit softer competition for a while. Start to see some bigger prize pools out there for golf as well. Noto's ready to go. He's out uh, He's out in Vegas this week, but still joining us. And he's sporting the uh, the old Riv hat there. So uh, Noto, what's going on? Yeah, I'm excited for this week for sure. Um, not a lot of positives from last week, but uh, I did have a Scheffler outright. So that helped uh, ease the pain a little bit, but yeah, I'm out here in Vegas for a fantasy conference uh, with Dan and Kitchens, so uh, that should be a lot of fun. And yeah, Riv Week. Everyone loves uh, Riviera Country Club, uh, one of the best fields of the year, so uh, I'm definitely excited for it. Yeah, this is probably the strongest field we've seen to date uh, in terms of from top to bottom in a full field event uh, in the, uh, the calendar year here with 120 golfers. Um, and did somebody withdraw? Let me check this, too. I haven't seen... I know that we had 120 originally and just happened to look at lineup HQ and saw that we only have 119 in there. So not sure if we're missing somebody or not. We'll have to double check and make sure we've got everybody in there. But uh, anyway, it's 120, maybe 119 golfers, invitational format. Uh, and the cut line, the cut line at this event has been at or over par uh, basically every year for the past decade. So this isn't your traditional birdie fest on the PGA tour. Uh, this will be a, a tough course and uh, lots of fun stuff to look forward to. We could take a quick look back to last week, as Noto mentioned, 
not the greatest DFS week, not for me either. Um, I uh, had a couple of six of six lineups, but uh, no Cantley and no Scheffler meant uh, no winning, you know, no big profits uh, for me. Um, and uh, and bet Cantley on Sunday, and that uh, that ended up not going. So uh, happy that uh, seemed like lots of people had some Scheffler tickets last week, but not the greatest week in DFS. Uh, doesn't sound like uh, that was the case for you as well. Yeah, so you had a Cantley ticket because you had uh, Will Zalatoris at Farmers, right? I had He's... Zalatoris <laughs> at the Farmers, but I bet I bet that before the tournament started. Uh, this was just I wanted to have something to sweat on Sunday, so I okay. bet Cantley at like plus two hundred or something when it was basically a two or three man race. So um, you know, it's not like I missed out on a huge win or anything like that. I just I had no DFS to sweat. And I yeah. just want something to sweat on Sunday and I bet on the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling far too well this year. Um, we keep coming on the show saying, ah, not the greatest weeks for us. So hopefully uh, we have a good one soon, but love the Phoenix open. I mean, the finishing stretch of that is just awesome. And when I mean, we got to talk about 16, you know, you had Sam Ryder on Saturday, just broke the internet, um, broke off Twitter. <laughs> I just, I watched that, uh, you know, highlight a bunch of times and then, uh, on Sunday, Harry Higgs and Joel Damon taking their shirts off. Um, I, I, I didn't, even, didn't even see that on Sunday. I somehow, you know, missed it until today. So I went back and watched that. And then when the camera pans back to the green and Damon's just out there, you know, doing his, <laughs> the, <laughs> flipping uh, his shirt. The uh, golf elitists out there were none too pleased uh, at, it, at it. But uh, oh, man. Got a nice crack up out of it. Yeah, those uh, guys are nice, great. It's nice to see some entertainment in the sport. They're going for that pit money. Um, but you've shortchanged Carlos Ortiz and maybe you weren't aware, but he also made an ace on Sunday. He did. He was on, uh, the podcast with cold nose today. So I listened to really? that. Um, he's a guy kind of like this week, which we'll get to, but yeah, so he went ace and then Eagle. Yeah. Uh, so he yeah. Went Eagle, one, Eagle. one and two on a, a two hole stretch is not too bad. Incredible. Uh, I played him, I think I played him the day before in showdown. So, um, that's kind of how, you know, my season's going so far. Uh, we could have used that the day before, but yeah, pretty cool. I mean, I love the finishing stretch there. Um, you kind of got the feeling that nobody really took the tournament over. I mean, you had a lot of guys in the mix, and I mean, Cantley had a chance uh, to win it there in regulation. He missed. Uh, Tigala, you know, got a bad bounce on on 17, ended up uh, in the water, and then he was kind of out of it. And then Scheffler had a five-footer to win it. He missed it. Xander had like an eight-footer to, to get in the playoff. He missed it. And then and we finally got a winner in the playoff, but um, it seems like this goes to a playoff every year. Every goes into the year, Super Bowl. always overlaps <laughs> with the football game every year. Uh, seems like they should plan on that going forward and just start an hour earlier or something on Sunday. But And it's a travesty, by the way, a travesty that they don't play 16 or 17 in the playoff. Why? Like, yeah, play the hole that's going to get you a winner faster rather than – I mean, like, I, I don't know. I don't think 18 is that spectacular of a hole there after coming off of – uh, 15, 16, 17 is a pretty neat stretch. So why you got to play 18 over and over again at the playoff? Yeah, and I mean that hole used to be a lot better before you know guys could hit it 330. Right. The yeah. Water, and got their, if they're in the fairway, they're 100 yards out, and it's like a gap wedge. And the water is basically out of play. Even if they pull it left, they're going to clear the water because I think it's like 285 now. Um, but I remember you know when we first started doing content, you know there was a lot of guys driving in the water on that hole. So it's become a lot easier over the years. But I agree, they need to. They need to make it to 17 um, for those playoffs. I don't know if it has something to do with, you know, security, trying to usher everyone away from 16, um, getting everybody out of there. But I would much prefer, you know, 17. Agreed, agreed. 
Anything else uh, takeaways from last week? Obviously, a lot of popular players missed the cut. Um, what's wrong with Tony Fino? That's a question that popped into my head. He played better Friday, but he just missed another cut. Uh, there's a common occurrence with his missed cuts, and that's when he's in my lineups. So uh, <laughs> I, think, I think there's a correlation there. This is a lot of cuts then because we play them a lot. <laughs> And uh, the other thing, I mean, Charlie Hoffman, if you want to talk about that, I mean, that rant he went on was something else. Oh, my goodness. And then he, you know, karma came back in a big oh, way yeah. because then he played, I think he was dead last. Uh, and he hit. <laughs> so if, for those of you who might not be familiar, Hoffman hit a uh, ball out of bounds on or rolled into the water on Friday, um, came out to take a drop and you know then walked up to see what his shot was going to be it rolled back in the water had to take another penalty uh something along those lines where he was complaining about having to take a second penalty um and then he hit his first two tee shots out of bounds on saturday after doing that which i thought was quite comical um but yeah i, I don't know i, I he's just kind of gets kind of heated i guess but i mean he should just be happy to finish the tournament he hadn't been able to do that in the longest time yeah, it was just weird. And I listened to a few podcasts that broke it down like line for line. And it just got more absurd as he kept rambling. So uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, maybe he caught a few of those beers that were being thrown on 16 and, <laughs> and then went on his Twitter rant. But overall, love the Phoenix Open. Um, wish I had a better week, but I'm looking forward to this week as well. Uh, same. Looking forward to this week and always love that tournament. And I kind of mentioned last week at these super difficult courses, I, I I don't like as much in general, but uh, that's what we got at Riviera this week. So uh, why don't you tell the people about this course? Yeah, very classical course. Um, it's a par 71. It's in L.A. Riviera Country Club. 7,300 yards. Uh, doesn't seem overly long um, on paper, but it's sneaky long. You're going to have a lot of long iron uh, shots and Early reports are that you know, the course is extremely firm. There's been basically no rain in the area for most of the year. So um, it's going to play firm. It's going to play fast. It's going to play difficult. Like you mentioned, uh, the fairways here are going to be very tough to hit. You're going to hear a lot of people talking about the Kikuya grass, uh, which provides great lies in the fairway um, and really bad lies in the rough. Um, it's more of a, you know, I would say a placement type of uh, course off the tee where you want to miss on the right side of the hole to kind of give yourself a chance uh, into some of these greens. And for the most part, you just have to take advantage of the par fives and then kind of hold on on the par threes and par fours because they're extremely difficult. You do have the drivable par 10, uh, or sorry, number 10 uh, par four, which I don't know, I, a lot of people like it. Um, I, I hate it because my guys always get right up by the green and end up making a bogey mm -hmm. somehow. That's just how it works. Um, then you have number one, which is one of the easiest holes in golf. It's like a 500-yard par par five so got to take advantage of those holes kind of hang on um, the rest of the course there's no water on the on the course the greens are very tricky you're going to see a lot of three putts a lot of uh, misses with inside of five feet uh, I think it's the most on tour actually so uh, if you like sweating those putts um, you're certainly going to get your money worth this week and that's because of the you know Poana grass uh, on the greens uh, so for me, I'm looking at, you know, driving distance over driving accuracy. Uh, you're going to have to be good off the tee. You got to be good with your long irons. A lot of approach shots from, you know, 150 plus, uh, 175 plus, 200 plus. And then uh, just experience in California, experience on tough tracks. And uh, I think bogey avoidance might come into play this week as well. What are you looking at? 
Yeah, I like bogey avoidance as well, I think, on this course. Uh, and then otherwise, you know, just guys who are really good tee to green. You give yourself more of those five, six foot putts while you might miss a few. Uh, you're still going to be better off than your competitors. And uh, this is the tournament every year where I say the instant tilt is maybe uh, a little more justified than we see a lot of weeks in DFS because the first hole, this is a hard course, but the first hole is one of the easiest holes you'll see on the PGA Tour. It's basically a par five. Uh, par four playing as a par five these days. So uh, you are allowed to tilt if your golfer does not birdie number one. And then you got the guys starting on the back with that tricky drivable par four 10th hole. Uh, I saved a screenshot of Spieth a few years ago, uh, being in the greenside bunker with his tee shot and making an eight, uh, which is just the, the one of the things that makes this course pretty, pretty iconic. So um, yeah. And yeah, if you sure. remember, remember last year in the playoff, I mean, Tony Finau hit a perfect drive right in front of the green. Max Homa hit it behind a tree. They both end up making par. So, I mean, that hole is just wild. Yeah, it is. Uh, you can't uh, take anything for granted if you're, you know, out of position off the tee or, or in good position off the tee. If you're <laughs> one bad shot and you overrun the green or something, all of a sudden you're in the bunker too. So, uh, and, and struggling to, to get out of there with a bogey. All right, let's start breaking it down. We've got, I think, the top 11 in the uh, world golf rankings here this week. So uh, our, our usual uh, plethora of golfers at the top, uh, we've got, uh, again, uh, the same guys that we've seen some of the last couple of weeks. We've got Cantlay and Rahm up there. Uh, we've got uh, JT, Morikawa, and Dustin Johnson in the field this week. So those are your uh, five-figure salary golfers. Surprises me a little bit. Uh, to, to see uh, DJ uh, above 10 K um, just the way he's played comparatively speaking over the last, you know, six months, I, I guess it's all dependent on odds. So I'm surprised he's got such good odds if you want to play it that way instead, but uh, your thoughts on the uh, golfers here at the top. Yeah. In terms of DJ, I mean, it's all course history baked. I mean, last eight trips here, no finishes worse than T 16. He's got to win. Three more top fives. Uh, he did play pretty well at Farmers. I think he gained eight strokes tee to green. Played well in Saudi as well with the top 10. So I get it. Um, it is hard for me to justify that over some of the other guys up here. Uh, for me, you know, I wrote about on Twitter today, it feels like Rom is, you know, if you're playing roulette and nobody ever bets the green space, eventually it's going to hit and take everyone's bets off the table. Um, and I kind of feel that way this week. I mean, he's eight to one in some places. Um, it just feels like, man, he's playing his B minus game and he's continuously, you know, putting out top 15 finishes. So I think he kind of puts it all together this week. He's played well here in the past. Doesn't have a weakness. He likes difficult courses, likes California, all that stuff. Um, and then Canley, it's hard to go wrong with him as well. I think he's finished no worse than T11 since August, which is kind of crazy. Uh, he's got the course history to back it up as well. Um, I do worry that this is his third week in a row. That's my only concern with Cantlay. Um, typically, you know, he hadn't been playing in back-to-back -back weeks, you know, with his back injury there for a couple of years. And now this is his third week in a row. I think this is one of the first times he's he's done that. Um, so, yeah, I like those two up top. Certainly no issue with Morikawa, DJ, uh, JT. But uh, if I'm deciding between the five, uh, I'm going to go Rom and then Cantlay. Boy, I, Cantlay, I think, is really, really interesting. Like, at some point, at some point, doesn't the fatigue kick in? Yeah. Like, those are true. two real tough losses he's had his last two starts. That's true. And, and the third week in a row. You could tell he was bummed on Sunday. 
I mean, we saw it with Hovland too. I mean, he, you know, was playing a bunch overseas and then, you know, he talked about being tired last week and ended up missing the cuts. So I don't know though. It's, I mean, he's got a chance to get to number one in the world if he wins and Rom finishes fifth or worse, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I, this is a course that he loves. He's from California. I think, I, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to go wrong with any, anyone up here, but for me, they don't have any weaknesses while JT, you know, Morikawa can both lose it on the greens a little bit. And then DJ, like you mentioned, we just haven't seen a lot of them recently. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to go against any of these guys. You're just trying to find an angle to, uh, you know, perhaps uh, exclude one of them or something, because that's yeah. what's tough in these deep fields. It's tough to limit down your player pool. And when you've only got 120 golfers, you know, you, you don't want to end up with 60 golfers in your player pool. I'm one that likes to really narrow it down. And sometimes it burns me. And I didn't play Cantley last week. Um, and I think I wrote him up as a fade and then I bet him on Sunday when he was playing well. So very, uh, you know, uh, recent recency bias against uh, Cantley on my end because he's burned me a couple of times, but uh, certainly hard to deny the, uh, the consistency that he's shown of late, but um, I, I like Morikawa. I think that, uh, you know, his, his irons, uh, when he's on, he's the best on tour uh, and, you know, the putter does worry me a little bit. And if you're going to miss some three or four footers, he, he's going to miss some of those. But uh, I think this is a spot where uh, maybe he bounces back. I think Thomas is interesting for tournaments as well. Um, despite the course history, I'm I'm probably off a of DJ this week. So I'll probably end up with Rom, Thomas, Morikawa in my player pool. Um, probably exclude Cantlay to my own uh, detriment. But uh, we'll see. We'll see where that leads as we get closer to uh, to Thursday. Uh, it is tough to hit the right? X on any of those guys. It is, it is. And I always do because I just try to narrow it down. So um, probably be DJ and can't land, then I'll be sweating uh, them, you know, not uh, running away with the tournament. So uh, the 9K range is really interesting. We always talk about nobody wanting to play guys off a of win. So there you got Scheffler at 8% and our projected ownership right now, um, which is uh, super interesting. So, uh, Shoffley, Rory, Hovland, Matsuyama, Ma, uh, Cam Smith, Kapka. These are guys we often see in that upper tier, but they're the uh, the 9Ks uh, in this tournament. So, um, again, I, I like Hovland. Super impressed with basically – he missed the cut last week, but, I, I mean, that was after a win on the Euro Tour and a travel week and then trying to tee it up again. I, I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, he Riviera is a course that often has a learning curve. And despite that, he still finished fifth here in his debut. So uh, I like Hovland in the, uh, the nine K range. Uh, who are you looking at in here? Yeah, I like Hovland too. The ball striking is so good. They can afford to lose uh, a couple strokes on and around the greens and still finish uh, pretty high up there. And you mentioned, I mean, he's got three wins in his last six starts worldwide. Um, I think the miscut last week was actually a benefit. It gives him a couple of days to rest up get ready for uh, the bigger event this week. So I do think you're getting a nice discount there. I like that call quite a bit. I like Xander too. You know, he's a California kid. He's never finished worse than T23 here. And uh, probably should have been in the playoff last week, but um, he gained 13 strokes T to green, uh, by far the best in the field. So uh, I really think, uh, you know, Xander's an interesting guy at 9,900. Um, I do think there's enough value this week that you can play a guy in the 10Ks and a guy in the 9Ks and feel pretty good about it, especially with the smaller field, uh, like you were mentioning earlier. So those two would be my favorites. Uh, I do have some interest in Rory. You know, he's played here a ton over the years. Um, this often gets compared to Augusta and to Quell Hollow. 
he's played great at both of those events. Um, and obviously coming in in pretty good form. I mean, he's 12th and third on his last two starts overseas. So I don't mind Rory. And then just naturally, just because I like those other three guys, I'll probably be underweight on Hideki and Scheffler. Uh, and then Brooks, I just can't play Brooks. I mean, I, everyone thought he was going to run away with it, but he talks about how he doesn't like California golf. Um, he's just always talking about out. Of, he doesn't like anything. Yeah, he's talking <laughs> out of both sides of his mouth because he's always, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a grinder. And then now he's saying he's motivated because he's top, not twenty, not top twenty in the world. You just never know with Brooks, but um, if he burns me, he burns me. Yeah, I generally take that stance with him as well. Um, I, I tend to always be underweight on Smith too, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I, he just worries me because you, you feel like he's so volatile. But um, when, when you look at his results, I guess over the last, you know, well, he missed the cut at the Sony Open after winning the Tournament of Champions, so that's just kind of the way it is, but back to the fall swing, he had a fourth, a ninth, a 15th, a 10th. Um, so I, it's just, he's been more consistent than he was earlier in his career. So should probably come around on him a little more than I have, but, um, I, I just think I'll probably live with the Matsuyama Hovland do like Rory as well, uh, kind of range with the, uh, the mid to, to upper nine K's. So, uh, and no, and no, qualms with with Xander either so a lot of my lineups will maybe start with say two players around that 10k range so if you play like okay I tagged up Morikawa and Hovland as my favorites if you play them you're at uh, 75 50 per player for your last four spots on DraftKings which is still more than doable um, given the, the the depth of this field so I don't think that uh, hamstrings your lineup at all. Uh, you can still maybe even get another player in the 8K range. And since I don't like the lower end of the 9K range, you know, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing a ton there. So that is my thought. Um, and then that brings us to, uh, well, any other thoughts on that 9K and up for you? No, I think that covers it, but I agree with you. You know, I like starting with uh, Rom Xander. It gives you a little bit less than um, the pairing that you mentioned, but you can easily get away with it. There's, you know, probably eight guys that I like in the 6K range this week, which is a lot more than usual. Yeah, yeah, especially with only 120 golfers in the field. So um, it, it's definitely doable this week. And then you're, you're kind of lower. You, you'll end up being lower on the 85 to, to 9,500 range or, or, or whatever, but um, – I don't think there's a lot of must-haves in that range. I mean, Spieth, I, 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 even his biggest proponents probably wouldn't label him as a must-have at this point. Just been too inconsistent. Uh, Burns has struggled his last few starts. You know, M's even been a little hit or miss. Uh, I love Zalatoris as much as the next guy, and uh, you know it, that win is coming for Zalatoris. And and the one thing that Zalatoris has shown consistently over the last year is that he plays better on the tougher courses. You know, we've seen him put up top fives at uh, really difficult tracks in, in really strong fields. So uh, the only guy that I feel like I absolutely want to get some exposure to in the higher end of the 8K range is, uh, is Zal Torres, despite the playoff loss to, to Luke List a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's just, he's the real deal. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he wins a major, given the, the way that uh, he tends to play on these tougher courses. So, uh, he is far and away my favorite in the upper end of the 8Ks. Uh, who are you looking at in there? 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% on Zalatoris. He did have COVID, um, so I do want to see, you know, if that if he had like bad symptoms or or lost weight or whatever. Because uh, oh, he can't, he, dude can't lose any weight. <laughs> well, they were saying he had gained 15 pounds before Tory. Um, so I mean, he didn't look like he had gained that much weight, but uh, he did gain a bunch of distance off the tee, and that's obviously going to come in handy here. You mentioned, you know, he loves hard courses. He's even labeled himself as a major specialist. Um, and he's actually a decent lag putter. Um, he misses a lot of the short ones because of that, you know, that stroke that he has. But uh, he's actually pretty good from long distances. And these are pretty big greens. So, yeah, I love that call. Um, by far my favorite play from, you know, 80, 86 to, to 9,000. Pretty much the only guy that I'm looking at. Yeah, same in here as well. I I, I can maybe play a little song, Jay. I'm fine with that. But uh, not a guy that I, I think you have to have. So. Uh, the, the big question I, as I was going through lineup HQ here, right before the show, and you've had your, uh, tags posted. And by the way, you can, uh, find all of our great content over at, uh, rotogrinders.com sign up for a, uh, premium subscription. Happy to, uh, to bring you along. And, uh, if you want to chat during the show, you can do that without a premium subscription. We can chat with you in the live stream chat channel, uh, which is part of our free Roto Grinders Discord. You can access that rotogrinders.com backslash discord uh, and join the live stream chat channel. We do have some channels that are reserved for premium subscribers, but uh, you can chat for free along with us as long as you have a Roto Grinders uh, free membership on the live stream chat channel in the Discord server. So we'll see you there. Uh, anyway, as I was looking through our premium content, looking through the lineup hq we all have little dots little tags that we put in on our favorite players and noto i see is going back to the well on one tony fee now which uh if we learned anything from the beginning of the show means that a miscut might be coming but uh <laughs> all right the last couple months have not been good for him so you're gonna have to give me the really good sales pitch on on tony here yeah i mean my thoughts pretty simple if i played him last week uh, at a higher price point um, at a course that he doesn't like as much, I might as well go back to the well this week. Um, should have won in the playoff here last year. Um, he's got a great course history, and he has gained on approach in nine straight. So um, the driver's been a little, you know, wonky uh, at times, and then the short game's always hit or miss. But pretty good putter on uh, Poana Greens. So I don't mind going back to Tony. Uh, I want to see what his ownership is. Uh, so I don't mind him. I think a lot of people are going to go to Bubba. I certainly get it. Second Saudi uh, T14 last week. And, you know, he's won here three times. So I, I want to see what are you doing with Bubba this week? Because if you just look at long term stats, you would never play him if you didn't know his course history. Yeah, I think the course history and the the, the run up of form make it uh, make it interesting. I mean, he, he had all four of his rounds were sub 70 last week. So it was consistent, um, you know, solid and, and came out with a top 15. Like if he was going to be 20% owned, I, I would be pretty comfortable not playing him, but you know, we've got him at 7.8%. I think that's, hmm. that's pretty respectable. If our, if the ownership number stays where we've got it, I, I think I will play some. Yeah. And that might be a, uh, you know, a product of everyone spending up for the nine and 10 K guys and then having to dip in the seven. So, correct. Yeah. I mean, if he's going to stay at that, I, I definitely like him. I hadn't loaded up the, the ownership projections yet. So uh, yeah. And it's an even year. Um, Bubba always plays well <laughs> in even years. I don't know why. Uh, sold at that point. Uh, all right. <laughs> so we got Watson, we got Finau at lower ownership. 
Uh, the rest of the 8K range, we have at slightly higher ownership. Max Homa always tends to be kind of in that low to mid-teens, but he's a little pricey for me this week in this field. I think I'm out on Homa. Adam Scott, really interesting, had a strong first three days uh, in Phoenix and then lost a billion strokes uh, from Tita Green on Sunday. Uh, it, I, I didn't follow his Sunday round all that close, and so I saw that that Adam Scott had a poor Sunday, and I figured, well, Adam Scott, you know, must have had a terrible day with the putter. And then I see that Adam Scott was over par on Sunday, despite gaining two and a half strokes putting, uh, <laughs> which was wild to me. I'm like, what? wait a minute. Adam Scott had a, a below average round and gained two and a half strokes putting. He lost 4.3 strokes from T to green on Sunday alone, uh, which was just, I mean, that's abnormal for him. And that the first three days, you know, it was the opposite. The usual struggles a bit with the putter um, and, and was really good from Tita Green. So not sure what to make of that one poor round. We talked about him last week on the show. Um, so I, I'm fine with Adam Scott, pretty neutral on it overall. Uh, I really like Fitzpatrick at 8,100. I'm targeting a lot of bombers this week, but Fitzpatrick is one guy. He's going to hit fairways. He's going to hit greens and he's got two top tens in a row. So uh, maybe we're finally seeing kind of the breakout from him. Uh, so 8,100, I think, is a very fair price for Fitzpatrick. I'll probably bet him as well uh, at, at that. To, you know, the odds are, are are pretty manageable, or you can bet him for a top 10 at like 4-1. to one. So uh, over definitely overweight Fitzpatrick, all DFS formats and uh, in the betting markets this week. I think you can make a case for Scott as well. Anybody else you like above 8,000? Yeah, I like Fitzy as well. Um, he's a guy that I play a ton, especially on harder courses. But um, I was looking at his numbers, and everyone just labels him as a great long iron player. And then you look at his proximity numbers, and they're pretty terrible from you know long range. So is that just a thing that you know somebody said once, and everyone kind of ran with it? Or I, I don't know. It, it's weird. It is weird to me too because if you look at some of those numbers, like his approach numbers, they've never been elite, and, and yeah. I think. You know, you we kind of attribute that to in the past. Well, he plays more on the European tour. And, and I do think that's still a fair point. Most of his PGA tour results have come on more difficult events. Those tend to be the ones that he plays. Uh, and in the stronger fields, I mean, you're not going to grade out as well statistically when you compare it to the overall numbers for the year, when you've got guys playing at the John Deere classic and on for some sure. of these pitch and putt courses, um, I, again, I, I don't have all the deep data and the relative field strength at my fingertips here to back all that up, but um, I think that's part of it. You know, he's not playing the the 25 under events really most of the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, the rest of his numbers are solid. You know, uh, he does gain strokes on approach. I was just looking at, you know, he's actually better with his wedges than in terms of proximity than his long irons, which it just uh, surprised me because everyone just labels him as a, a great long iron guy, but. Yeah, T5 here last year, uh, no issue with Fitzy. Gooch is a guy that I think a lot of people are going to play. Um, he's been in great form. He's been a top 30 machine for the last six months now, and he's played here at least three times, no finish worse than T20. So I think he's going to be popular at 8K. Um, he does feel a little too cheap, and I'm always fine with Adam Scott on these difficult courses. So um, I agree with you, you know, on that bottom 8K range. Part of what stands out in a field like this is that when we go from here to the rest of the, through the rest of the field, we don't have anybody projected above 15% ownership. The highest guy we've got the rest of the way 
is Luke List at 15.4%. So uh, you've got the freedom to basically play who you want, regardless of ownership, um, really in this tournament as a whole, uh, just because it's the field is so strong that things are kind of naturally going to spread out. So uh, I, I do think that's interesting as we get here to the, uh, the 7,900 range and below. Um, and, and there's just a lot of strong options. So if we looked at from like 7,500 to 7,900, there's about 10 golfers there. That includes Seamus Power. Uh, Noto and I finally get to do a victory lap for fading him for once, uh, but, but the rest of our rosters didn't pan out either. So uh, that didn't all work together on the right week, but uh, we finally got a miscut, though. I believe it was just on the number uh, for, for Seamus last week. So uh, your thoughts on the 75 to uh, 7,900 range. Yeah, we finally got him right for once. Uh, I was right on the number. So what do we do now? I mean, at lower ownership, do we go back to <laughs> Zig when they zag? Um, I don't know. I don't I mean, have he's a been awesome there. for yeah for months and months, and now yeah. finally nobody wants to play him. So I might go back. I think so I think I can be I sold. Mean. Yeah, and if you look at his numbers, you know, I always thought of him as a really good ball striker, but he's like top fifty in this field in all four categories, and he's actually really good around the greens, which. Um, I, I forgot to mention that in the intro. Uh, these greens are some of the toughest to hit on the PGA Tour. Uh, John Rahm led the field last year, and he missed 19 greens over the course of the week. So if the best guy in the field's hitting 70% of greens, um, you know, some of the worst guys, um, ball strikers, are gonna, they're going to be scrambling a ton. So I don't mind targeting the guys that are, are good around the green, and that kind of goes into bogey avoidance too. Um, so those two kind of do overlap a little bit. But just wanted to note that uh, back up to the top. Um, I think Sergio's interesting. Uh, he's a guy that's been playing well overseas. He's got five straight top 30s uh, worldwide, and he had a great course history here for a while. I think he had three straight top 15s, and then in the last couple of years, he hasn't been great, but his form has kind of slid off during that stretch. So I don't mind going back to him. He's a guy that's very good total driver of the ball. I also like Paul Casey. I've always liked Paul Casey in these strong fields. He just always seems to be underpriced. Uh, we've only seen him one time this year. He was T12 um, overseas. So at least he got one tournament under his belt. Um, he's never missed a cut here. He's seven for seven. Nearly one. Uh, I think he lost in a playoff to James Hahn one year. Um, so he's going to be my favorite guy uh, in that mid-7K range. You see the video that the PGA Tour posted on Twitter about an hour before the show um, about the, uh, the greens. They, uh, they placed the ball. I didn't place it, but maybe dropped it from, say, shoulder level uh, on the edge of a green and uh, took it 29 seconds to roll all the way through the green, all the way down the ridge uh, to uh, pass the other side of the green. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, they're playing a little fast right now. Obviously, they'll, they'll slow them up a little bit. But um, watching that video gave me vibes of Sergio Garcia at the players a few years ago, that one year <laughs> where the grass was just brown. That's probably been like seven or eight yeah, years. Ago. That was a Ken Duke year, right? I don't know. Yeah. I remember he shot was, like six strokes better than anyone else in the field that day. It was the year where, yeah, the Saturday round was awful. I think Russell Knox made like a 10 on uh, on a hole. I, I don't know. Yeah, but, that, that was on 16, the par three or 17. Sergio was just complaining. <laughs> uh, and I, I just watched that ball roll off the green and I thought of Sergio for some reason. Um, and he's here at uh, 7,800, but uh, it doesn't mean I like him. And then they, uh, they followed it up with another video 30 minutes ago of the green covered in hail. So apparently they had a little storm roll through there. Oh, really? Um, 
yeah um, just a little bit ago pretty pretty large pellets of hail too but uh pretty rare in that uh, part of the country all right um we got myself sidetracked for a second so i like casey as well at 7600 uh, hasn't played much at all on the pga tour lately but uh does stand out at that price you can see that uh, your model numbers like him as well uh, so he is hard to pass up at 7600 as you know if you're playing cash games or something he's probably got to be in there uh no issue with most of these guys in here they're all solid but i think casey uh ranks up near the top of the list for me i like henley as well um can be sold on Seamus power so i'll probably narrow that down a little bit but uh like those three in particular uh going to the uh, bottom end of the 7k range i saw patrick reed yesterday at 100 to 1 on uh, one of the sports books i can't remember which one it was but uh, that makes me smile a little bit because we have a hate hate relationship. He doesn't <laughs> like me and I never really get him right. So uh, the, the, the numbers, the statistical numbers for Reed, have really been going downhill over the last year and uh, pretty shocking. I, you wouldn't have expected him to be 7,400 on DraftKings in any field. Uh, but uh, here we are and you know, nobody really thinks they got to play him either. I mean, uh, Peters is getting a little more love. List is getting a little more love. McNeely's getting some love. So, um, yeah, I, I just kind of strange to see him be 7,400 and then also be an afterthought at that price, but your thoughts on the rest of the seven Ks? Yeah. I mean, my model only goes back uh, 18 months and even at 7,400, he rates out as a terrible play, even at a uh, hundred to one, he rates out as a bad bet. Obviously, you know, he's a much better player long-term and he had that uh, case where he had double pneumonia. So we can probably throw out a lot of those results, but yeah, I mean, I don't really – I'm not itching to play Patrick Reed, um, the 7,400. Um, I do like Peters, so uh, he's won twice overseas, and he uh, actually won at this course in college, um, and he finished second here on the PJ Tour. So he's got a lot of good recent results, a lot of good course history, a lot of good vibes around these parts. So I certainly get the Peters love. Um, yeah, what are you doing, Patrick Reed? I don't know. No, I'm not. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd go there either. Too ugly. Uh, Corey Connors, I think, is interesting. I do worry about his around the green, but um, similar to Victor Hovland, his ball striking can be so good that, you know, he doesn't have to worry about around the green as much. His form hasn't been great. Uh, I think he lost strokes on approach last week, which is uh, pretty rare for him, but 7,300 seems like a nice discount there. Uh, I like Matt McNeely. He did withdraw before last week's event, but uh, it was undisclosed, so we don't know if it was injury-related, personal, um, whatever, but he's back this week. He's a California kid. He tends to play the longer course as well, um, and he missed the cut here on the number last year, so not too worried about that. I think Lonto Griffin is interesting as well. He's been playing good. Um, he's two for two here, and then who's the other guy I wanted to bring up? I don't know. What are your takes down here? Boy, Tagala was interesting last week. He was just eating up the crowd, which I thought was pretty – I'm not really on him here, but uh, he's got a bright future, and uh, it was really interesting to see him playing up to the crowd when um, a lot of people would have been uh, wetting their pants in that type of situation yeah. with uh, you know a couple big-name players on the PJ Tour. So it was cool to see him embrace that. Um, I I'm with you on Connors, especially at that ownership. I tend to play him a lot on these types of courses. So uh, I'm in there. If you want to play the bomber angle, um, Thomas Peters, I, I think is interesting. He's had a couple really good results on the European tour. Uh, so I, I like Peters. I like Connors. Um, I, we're pretty much in agreement on this range. I, I think, um, you know, what about Tringale? 
seems like nobody wants to play him, even though he kind of goes. So he's been seventh miss or so miscut, seventh miscut, third miscut. So obviously win. Which is weird. He used to be the guy, and it was you know if you go back before that, you go back to the Zozo. It's second miscut, seventh miscut, okay. third miscut. Even better. So. Um, so that means first or second. Uh, it's right. Top two, uh, top three finishing coming. He, and it's that's weird because he used to be the guy that would finish like 30th every week. And mm-hmm. everyone's complaint about him was that he didn't have any upside. Now uh, he's got the upside and uh, he was really bad at Pebble Beach, though. Uh, just really bad. Maybe he's tired of not winning and is being more aggressive instead of just. Uh, but that's see, that's not going to play well here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think true. I'm out. All right. I think I'm in for MME, not a single entry play or anything. It's not a strong take by any means. I'm not going to actively try to talk anyone off of him, but um, the guy that I think is going to get pumped up a little bit more than his ownership. Now you see it on social media. Well, Molinari is now a native. He, he, this is his home course. He's uh, he plays Riviera all the time. And Oh, by the way, he's been better lately as well. So are you buying the narratives with Molinari at all? I am. Uh, he's just a guy I like to play for whatever reason. Um, I think I've won money on him in the past, which is pretty rare for any golfer these days. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like him this week. You mentioned he's a member here playing a little bit better. Um, you could certainly do a lot worse. I think I bet him as a top 20. I probably won't have more than, you know, 10% in MME, but I think you can include him for sure. Uh, before I forget, don't forget, sign up for prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com, download their app. Uh, plenty of good betting stuff uh, over on Prize Picks this week. Promo code Grinders gets you a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred bucks uh, if you use promo code Grinders with your first deposit on Prize Picks. So uh, again, you can a lot of times get finishing positions for some of the, these kind of seven seventy five hundred or so players. You can get them, you know, under thirty and a half, thirty five and a half, something like that. So uh, find some of these mid range players like. Uh, you know, a Connors or a Peters or a Casey particularly. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can can match them together, uh, try to get a couple of them right and uh, and get a bigger boost on your winnings. Uh, but plenty of good stuff to, to check out over there at Price Picks, promo code grinders. All right. Uh, I'm in on Molinari, I think, as well at 7K. The other guy that you mentioned earlier, I'm uh, not sure whether you brought it up again or not, but uh, Carlos Ortiz coming off that, uh, that fun Sunday on uh, – uh, at Phoenix. Yeah, we talk about uh, guys finishing strong on Sunday, carrying it over to the next week. Uh, I certainly don't mind that. He's long off the tee. He's pretty good with his irons. He's a good putter on uh, Poana Greens. So, uh, and he has a top 10 here in the past. So, yeah, I love uh, Ortiz this week. Another guy that I think is a nice bargain down there is uh, Eric Van Royen, EBR at uh, 7K and basically no ownership. And he's gone. 25th, 20th in January on the PGA Tour, and then 12th in Abu Dhabi and 4th in Dubai on the Euro Tour um, with quite a few birdies in those events. So uh, you usually like EVR. I can probably talk you into some of him. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, makes me miss our former co-host, uh, Toe Tag and Tambo, because me and him would always bring him up, uh, EVR up, anytime it was a strong field. Uh, there you that go. was kind of our, I'm that was our easy way to, to say play EVR. So, yeah, I like it. All right, he's 7K, so uh, that's going uh, to kind of round out this range. Now, you mentioned you like some guys in the sub-7K range this week, uh, and we do have some guys getting a little bit of ownership, but nobody above 
under 7K. So who are a couple of your favorites? So I like uh, Sebastian Munoz quite a bit. He's played here twice, made the cut both times. He's uh, one of those guys that doesn't really have, you know, any super strengths or weaknesses. He's kind of just pretty decent all around. And he gained over nine strokes tee to green in Phoenix last week. So um, I think that's pretty promising. And then uh, it would be a disservice if I didn't bring up Patrick Rogers. Um, he loves his course, five straight top 30s here. California kid went to, well, I guess he moved to California in high school. Uh, we got to we got to note that because uh, one of our listeners called us out one time, but went to Stanford, uh, loves his course. He's long off the tee, very good putter as well. So those two would be my favorites. Um, some other names that are at least interesting, uh, Matt Wallace, uh, Aaron Rye has been playing well recently. Um, Cameron Young's been uh, really good recently as well. He's a bomber off the tee. This will be his first time, which I don't love, but um, I think there's a lot of interesting names with some upside down here. Yeah, like Rye is another guy that I tend to play a good bit as well, so I like him. Um, uh, Wise after the Wise was the chalky value last week, uh, missed the cut. He's zero for three here. I was kind of shocked to see that he was one of our more popular uh, selections, but people are are, are sharp, so uh, I like going back to that. Well, I think he's an interesting, you know, top ten bet or something, uh, or a long shot bet if you want to try that. Uh, but so I like Wise at 6,700 in addition to uh, to most of those guys uh, that that you mentioned. I, I think those make for interesting roster roundouts when you're probably going to need, you know, one guy around here. You mentioned Munoz. Obviously, Joel Damon's been playing fairly good golf. Uh, and most of these guys are in that two, three, four percent uh, range. So uh, like most of those plays, Probably not on Mito this week. Uh, he always gets a little bit of love, but uh, and I like him too. But uh, just with the learning curve here and the fact that there are quite a few options in this range, I'll probably be off of him. So uh, anybody else you like kind of in the lower part of the 7K range or 6K range that you didn't already mention? I was going to mention Mito because for the longest time, he was one of the better ball strikers on tour. His last five events, minus 1.2, minus 1.6. Minus 4.3, uh, and then he gained in the other two. So it just seems like, you know, the putter's been carrying him, which I never love when it comes to a good ball striker. So I'm with Dalen Rioff Amito. Also going to be off uh, uh, Grillo, who is going to rate out well long-term, but, man, he's been so bad. I think T63 is his best finish in, like, six months. Um, and he's not ball striking either, so I, I can't go there. And he'll be putting them off the greens here if they keep him playing fast. So he'll, he'll be uh... – yeah, no thanks. Uh, I'm probably off of that. You can stick to the other guys that we mentioned. Rye, I think, is a solid pick at 6,400 too. Uh, and, you know, we've given out maybe six or seven guys in the 6K range that uh, usually it's tough to, to, to pull teeth to get two or three. And uh, we've got quite a few this week. So you can afford to be a little bit more selective with them. So uh, with that, I think we're pretty much through it here. And uh, that'll about wrap us up for, uh, for this week. So this should be a fun tournament. Again, not necessarily a birdie fest. The cut almost guaranteed to come in over par, so uh, you can you can you know be worried about uh, a bogey if it happens like on the first hole, the super easy par five. But uh, otherwise, just got to prepare prepare for uh, some bogeys and uh, and par being a decent score. So we've got the Honda Classic next week. Uh, be another event that uh, tends to provide a challenge for these golfers as they gear up for the uh, the bigger stretch of uh, tournaments in in March and April of course, leading up to the uh, Players' Championship in mid-March and the Masters in uh, the early part of April. So uh, we will be back next week to uh, to break down the Honda Classic at PGA National. 
uh, as the uh, the tour moves from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, a, a, an East Coaster, uh, you'll have to get used to checking those lineups at like 6 or 7 a.m., uh, as opposed to things not locking until like late morning. So uh, get those alarms ready for next week, but we will be here as usual to break it down for you. So for Noto and our producer, Steve, I'm Justin. Good luck this week, everybody, and we will see you back here next Tuesday. Take care.